Welcome to the Health Design Podcast. I am your host, Moyes Jiwa. Today I'm speaking with Ethan Butte, Chief Evangelist at BombBomb, host of the Customer Experience Podcast and co-author of Rehumanize Your Business. Ethan's collected and told personal video success stories in hundreds of blog posts, in dozens of webinars, podcasts, and stage presentations, and in countless conversations. You're very welcome to the show. I was on my way from Melbourne to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and there was a stop-off at Chicago Airport. Now, I don't normally go into bookshops at airports, but I happened to go past this bookshop, and there was your book called Rehumanize Your Business. I have not been able to put that book down since I bought it at Chicago Airport. This would have been a good eight weeks ago, maybe longer. And that's really how I ended up reaching out to you. But before we go into what the book's about, I want to talk about your journey to date. And can you tell us a little bit about your superpower? What is your superpower? Uh, It has to be what I've devoted the past decade of my life to, which is helping people get face-to-face with more people more often. It's not something I planned on doing. It's something that I found myself doing. You know, the book is the result of, of doing that for a long period of time. And it's, you know, you just hear so many wonderful transformation stories that it makes someone like me more curious to go deeper, to keep doing it myself and to try to, you know, encourage other people to do the same. And then, you know, when someone like you reaches out with a story like you did, it's like, it immediately fills me back up and I'm just ready to go again to try to, because it's hard. And we can maybe talk about how hard it is to get going, moving some of your faceless digital communication into simple videos, but it's a challenging task. But the transformation that you see really validates it. And so for me, I guess it's that. Yeah. So yeah, we can talk about that. But let's, for the, for the folks who are listening to this, let's talk about what the book actually says. And essentially, you're encouraging people, guiding people to use video as part of their communication online. In fact, making it a major part of their communication online. For you, where did that start? For you, Ethan, where did that start? Why, why did you suddenly wake up one day and say, you know what, it'd be a good idea, get people sending videos? Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, the, there are two co-founders of the company that I work at. We're called BombBomb. We're based in Colorado Springs, Colorado in the States. And I met these guys socially when I moved to Colorado Springs years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they were working on this uh, project kind of on the side and you know, I was kind of bored in my career. I had been working as in marketing inside local television stations uh, for years. And so I was looking to do like, what am I going to do next? What skills are transferable? And so I started doing project work for a variety of different businesses and people that I knew, including these guys. And uh, Connor, uh, one of our two co-founders, was selling billboards or outdoor advertising. And he, like a lot of salespeople, inherited a list that was just good enough to keep the lights on, right? Like this, this new salesperson can make just enough money to like keep putting gas in the gas tank or whatever. But, but he was very good at it. He has a very winning personality. He's very good at what he does. He was a little bit innovative in the way he was marrying billboard advertising with other forms of advertising to get better results for his clients. And so all of a sudden he had way more people than he could stay in front of. And yet he knew that when people were buying billboards, in part, they were buying him. Yeah. 
who he is, his energy, his insights, his attitude, and all that. And I would say that the same is true for almost anyone working in a professional capacity. There are so few monopolies left. Almost any customer has a choice about how they're going to get this service or product need fulfilled. And so when people say yes, they're saying yes to you, to the trust you build, to the relationship you build, to the way you make them feel about themselves Mm -hmm. and all of these other kind of intangibles. And so he thought back then, this is back in 2006, if I could record and send videos, I could maybe send 20 or 30 videos in an afternoon when I don't have the time to say, get in my car and go see all these people or get all these people on the phone. And so for him, it was a way to be more personal and more human more often, like at scale. So instead of letting your plain words lead the way. And so for me, I liked what was going on when I started working with them. I liked the values that they were building the company on. It was fun to get, you know, the first few hundred customers and kind of see who they were really a mix of everybody. And so, um, just seeing the way that different people could implement this was just really fun for me. And of course, as the only marketing guy for three or four years, I sent a lot of videos myself to lists of people and truly personal one-to-one videos as well. And so, you know, I experienced the benefit myself. And one of the ways that I helped get this idea and concept in front of other people was to collect success stories from people like you, um, you know, who've experienced some specific benefit and are using it in interesting ways or get, you know, had their transformative aha moment. And my job was to collect those and kind of tell them in blog posts and in webinars and stage presentations and things. And so the more I learned and the more I practiced, the more excited I got about it. Okay. So for the people who are listening to this, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to send videos and it it takes a long time to tell my story and it's going to be really awkward. And, you know, I've got a pimple on my nose today and I don't want to do it. And it all sounds too hard. What would you say to them? Uh, If, you know, it depends a little bit on your role or your position, but in so many cases, if a client or a customer or a prospective client walked in your door or called you up and said, can we meet about this opportunity? You would go do it. And you're not, you know, you don't worry about any of those things. I mean, you might check the mirror on the way out the door uh, or you, you these small things. But when you're sitting down across a desk yeah. or next to someone or across the table over coffee or lunch, you're not in your own head about what you look like and what you sound like and all these other things. You like thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of hours you've spent in waking life, looking other people in the eye and talking to them. And so this experience of doing it by looking the camera in the lens and talking to someone, there is a transition there. And I'd be curious to, to hear what your experience was like, like, so you got turned on to the idea and then you flipped your camera on. What happens to a lot of people is they immediately get uncomfortable to your, to your, the way you phrase the question, you know, they get it, they get a little bit self-conscious, they get self-aware, they worry about all these small things. Ultimately, what you need to know before I turn it back over to you to hear your, you know, your first couple experiences, people are going to be happy to see you, period. It, It At this stage, even in 2019, 2020, This is a very new thing. And so people are going to be delighted to see you. Uh, You're also letting them know through the practice of recording the video that you see them and you hear them and you understand them and you appreciate them. Just the gift of doing it alone and the the confidence and courage and, and the 
comfort in vulnerability that you're displaying in service of another person is a truly remarkable act right now. Mm. And so I think the sooner you can get comfortable with it, and it's just a matter of practice, mm. the better off you're going to be. And by the way, once you get comfortable, you're going to save a massive amount of time by talking instead of typing all the time. Yeah, all of that. And uh, I would resonate all of that in my experience. I was astonished at what happened. So as I said, I was on my way excuse me, to the Mayo Clinic. And what I wanted to do was send messages to my colleagues who are here in, in Melbourne and Sydney about what that experience was like. Because we, I went to, you know, the number one hospital in the US and this was a, a big deal. And I thought they might like to hear what that was like. So I got my, my iPhone and I stuck it up on a, a selfie stick that I bought from a shop opposite the Mayo Clinic. So this was a $16 selfie stick. And I got a bottle of cola, spilt out the cola, put the selfie stick in the bottle of cola, stood it in the foyer of the Mayo Clinic and talked to my colleagues. And I knew that I would only be able to sustain this for two minutes before I became really nervous. But it worked. That two-minute video, without all the lighting and the fancy sounds or whatever, made an enormous impression on my colleagues back home because A, it was it was, it was uh, you know, they were getting it asynchronously. So I, whilst I was sending it to them in the middle of the night, they were waking up the following morning and they were saying, oh, there's Moyes on video. And yeah, look, he, he's, he's genuinely had it, having a good experience and he's teaching us something about what he's learned. And it made a massive impression. So it was short. It wasn't technically difficult. And it made a massive impression. And only I know how big an impression because I got all the emails afterwards to say, God, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, you were actually there. We saw you in the foyer. We saw that beautiful building and all the rest of it. So a few quick observations there. First, you're bringing people into a moment in your life, yeah. but you're doing it asynchronously, as you already said. So you're going to record a video and send it to five people. One of them's going to open it immediately. Someone else is going to open it five minutes later. Someone else is going to open it five hours later. Someone might open it five days later, yeah. but they have that moment with you at their convenience. And so that's the benefit of like, we had to schedule this time. We're multiple time zones apart and, uh, and we had to show up at the exact same time in order to have this conversation. And it's different and it's better. If you can have a video conversation or better yet, a truly in-person conversation, yeah. that's the best of the best. Yeah. But when time and distance are both in your way, a simple recorded video closes that gap down because it, it knocks out the distance because we all have cameras and internet connections. So so anywhere in the world, we can get face-to-face with people now. Mm. But also the time piece, like, you know, I can send it in the morning for me and you're going to open it up, I guess, at night for you yeah. later in the day yeah. at the same time. Anyway, so it overcomes time and distance. And then it doesn't have to be technically like a polished or professional. That's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Uh, and so the way I describe it is I call it the shiny authenticity inversion. Mm. It used to be that the shinier your video was, right? If you're going to buy a television advertisement or you're going to make a film trailer or put a really nice video on your homepage, that the more money you could spend would buy you more trust and more authentic, not authenticity, but just by more trust, like, wow, these people look very, very serious and legitimate. Look at how, you know, look at how polished and shiny this video is. And, and it's flipped on its head because at this point, all of us, you know, I'm in my mid forties. I grew up watching a lot of television in America and, and a lot of movies and things, you know, 
anyone my age and even a lot of people younger are culturally attuned to this idea that when the shiny, whooshy, highly produced video comes, like, okay, here comes the sales pitch. Here comes the manipulation. Here comes the marketing message, right? As opposed to you show up with your iPhone or you show up sitting at your desk with your webcam or, you know, you show up safely parked in your car using your mobile phone. Don't ever record videos and drive. It's very dangerous. And and frankly, it's it's just grossly irresponsible. Agreed. So uh, safely parked in your car, you know, like while you're in between meetings or something for people that do their work out and about, as soon as you see that, it's it's this real moment with you. So when you set an, an iPhone up in the in the foyer of this hospital, it's this real moment with you in this real place. Mm. It's not overproduced. There aren't, you know, there are no scripts. There's no lights. There's no editing. There's no production. It's 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 quick. It's lightweight. It's easy. And the and the more uh, underproduced the video is, the more honest and approachable and authentic and transparent it feels. Like I'm not overstyling this. I'm not faking it. I'm not chopping it up and editing it. This is actually who I am, where I am, and this is the message I have for you, right? And so it's this, the trust is built now through the authenticity, not through the gloss and polish and high budget and high production. Yeah. Now here's here's another observation. We've never met in person, Ethan, ever. You got a video from me about, what, a month ago saying, hi, Ethan, I love your book. Would you be interested in talking to me? Um, By the way, I'm based in Australia. And you did it. Yeah. There you go. I mean, so so again, and I'll just offer to that. That you would take the time to rec- to record the video and send it to me. Um, a, now I feel a little bit like I know you, right? Even if you didn't have such a, uh, uh, I mean, there's nothing that that would delight me more than the story that you told me. I, by chance and circumstance, ran into this book. I picked it up because it was a a, a bright cover and the title grabbed my attention. Yeah. And I couldn't put it down, and I immediately put the ideas into play. Like, there's nothing better that I could hear that I could personally hear than that. I mean, it's just wonderful. But even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't that flattering and positive for me, the idea that you took the time to communicate it that that way, um, a, I feel a little bit like I know you. B, I feel a little bit of um, social obligation or social reciprocity to, at a minimum, respond right to reply. So. If you are listening to this and you're in a position where you say, gosh, I send all these emails out for this reason, that reason, and the other reason, but I don't get enough replies and responses. When you mix some videos in, you are going to get more replies and responses. And as you as you said earlier, when you were talking about the video you sent back to the doctors in, in Australia and to your colleagues, mm. you know, you're going to get some replies to say, oh my gosh, this is really cool. Mm. And so this fear that you have of, I didn't say it right, I don't look good enough, this is too casual or conversational, people are, are they're just delighted at the, at the opportunity to experience that moment with you and to, and to get your message and to, again, feel more connected to you. And there's nothing, I don't know what the statistics are in Australia, but I've seen some survey results in America and in Europe recently about the rates of uh, depression and suicide and these feelings of disconnection and all of this. And there's no question that some of it is tied into uh, our, our 
digital communication, which is increasingly faceless, even though it feels like we have all these connections and stuff, we're not doing what our species has thrived doing for millennia, which is looking each other in the eye and building real relationship through real human connection. And again, I would put this style of video third in line behind being there in person, video live in real time synchronous. This is the third best thing. It is. And I would say to you that in terms of application, so I have a number of roles and I've been using this the, your ideas in all of my other roles. So as a researcher, for example, I would record something about a project that I'm doing. I'd send it to somebody that I think might be interested in the project or a paper that I've published. I might email them or I might send them a video to say, look, hey guys, look, I've just published this piece of work. I think this would be of interest to you. That's one place. The other place is as a medical educator. I'm involved in running a medical school. So, and I have students that I, I never see, but I can, I know their email addresses and I send them a little message to say, congratulations on passing your exams. I am honored that you've been part of our school. Thank you for helping me in my role as your head of school, et cetera, et cetera. The third role that I have is is obviously with this journal. And increasingly, we would like to see this kind of thing happening. You know, people who submit to our journal saying, here's a piece of work that I've done, or I've got this project, I'm looking for collaborators, or even I've got an idea. This is my idea. It worked for me. How about for you? Now, the fourth thing, I know that I said there were three, but there's a fourth thing that I've been doing, which is really helpful. And that's my blog. I have a video blog and I've set up my camera in my consulting room, not when patients are there, I I hasten to add, but when I'm alone and I talk about what the experience was like that day for me when I'm actually consulting and what I learned from my patients or learned from uh, providing medicine in that environment and and what made a difference to the outcome for the patient. And again, it's a two-minute thing. It's set up with an iPhone and a pretty crappy, if you want to call it that, light above me. But it works. People enjoy it. And of course, the thing about it is, as you say, it's not just that the people who receive it enjoy it, but I've actually enjoyed doing this, Ethan, to the point where it's, I have to tell you, addictive you do know you're going to get arrested by the FBI for selling an addictive product. Yeah, I hope not. And it's interesting, you know, the way you talk about your, your, you know, your, the, the habit and discipline that you've built is so powerful. Um, this habit of and discipline of organizing your thoughts, gathering your thoughts, and then there's something really powerful that I have not seen any research on. Some of it might exist, but obviously some of it is emergent especially when you look at the specificity of this asynchronous video communication. Mm -hmm. But there's something about the act of performing it, right? So I know a lot of people who for years have journaled in the mornings. They just get up and they dedicate five minutes or 10 minutes to, to writing. And that's a, that's a great habit. I think the habit is, is the powerful thing here, but I, the way you're doing it end of the day, probably as you're maybe getting ready to head out for the evening, you are reflecting back. And it's not just that you're reflecting back. It's also that you're organizing the thoughts and documenting them in some way. And instead of writing them down, you're actually bringing them to life. You're breathing life into these ideas. You're performing them. You're re-experiencing some of the emotion maybe that you felt uh, at the time, or maybe 
you feel differently about it now and you're expressing it differently. Maybe you experience something frustrating. I'm just imagining here. So please, in just a second, redirect or, or correct or, or confirm. But, you know, maybe you've experienced something very frustrating earlier in the day or surprising or confusing. And in the moment, you're like, you know, maybe a little bit upset by it. But with the distance of four or five hours, a little bit of time to reflect on it, when you express it later, you're maybe expressing some gratitude around what you learned from it or the the positive benefit experience of experiences. So there's something really special about this act of being able to, to, I say perform, and I don't mean that in the, in the typical, I'm on stage as a performer, performing some role that was written for me. And it's a character that I'm performing as like, I mean, performing as I'm expressing it with my breath and my body and my face and my emotions and all of these other things. Like it's coming out of me in a truly human, fully rich way. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something super powerful about that. So I'd be curious um, how long you've been doing the practice and if anything that I said resonated and maybe what more you would add to it. All of that resonates. And what I discovered in a strange way is how creative I could be. So I was thinking, my son's done film and television as a career and he went to uh, movie schools and all the rest of it. And I was, there must be some part of that which is inside me because what I did was I set up my camera on the tripod or on the, on the selfie stick, which now has a little you know, tripod on it, on the chair where the patient would sit. So it was like I was talking to the patient who, who doesn't exist in the room at the time. And what I did this week, for example, is I said, how would you like me to be facing you when I'm, when you're consulting me? So I posed myself up to, at the, at the computer, looking into the computer away from the camera. Then I turned it around and looked right into the camera and said, how's that for you? How does that feel for you? I bet you're more comfortable with me sitting this way. Point I was making is we overcomplicate medicine. All we need to do is put ourselves in the position, sitting in that chair where the camera was placed, and all the answers are there for us. How are we going to behave? How are we going to perform, if you want to call it that? Because it is an act. It is a whole thing. It's choreographed, the, the visit to a doctor. So that from that, there are many other things that I've talked about. I've talked about questions you ask the patient. Again, sitting in that room, looking into that camera so that you feel like you're the patient uh, talking to the doctor. Do I ever ask you what you do for a living? Do I ever ask you how you feel about it? What brings you joy? So yeah, the creative in me was stirred up by the very act of doing this. And it has made me more, more intuitive, more thoughtful about the practice of medicine. I love it. I, and the, the, what I'll draw from this as a takeaway for anyone listening, in addition to whatever they've taken away from it already, mm-hmm. is that it's a journey, right? So so what I heard in partly in what you shared there is that it's this journey, it's this iterative process where as long as I take the step and keep a little bit of momentum, I'm going to get more comfortable and more curious and more more effective. And I might, you know, to the degree that it's tools or equipment, I might upgrade my webcam or I might, you know, you said you have a light in your office, you know, you might, you're going to go, it's not going to be perfect out of the gate and you never know what is a week away or a month away or a quarter away as you get into this practice and this habit and you start changing your behavior. Um, it really is a full transformation. I've had, I can't tell you how many customers have told me, uh, Ethan, this is so great. This makes 
what I do fun again. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me why I got into the business. Yeah. You know, for so so for someone who is maybe I'll just make up an age range, you know, 30 to 65 years old, somewhere in there. You started your career um maybe at a point before, maybe 35 to 65. Uh, you started your career at a at a point where we were not so heavily reliant on digital forms, digital communication, screens in general, and this increasingly automated and often impersonal aspect. That's why I love what you already just did, that nugget you offered of a couple things you learned at the Mayo Clinic. I just love that they're thinking that way, talking that way, practicing that way, and most importantly, teaching other people that way to like, you know, build empathy and, and truly you know, get a few pieces of information and a few moments together with your, with your patients just to build that relate. That's what it's about. It's about building that relationship. And so, you know, a lot of people, if you're listening and you've been doing what you're doing for 20 years or 30 years, I know you remember a time when it wasn't this way. Yeah. And, and, and so I call this the new old way to sell or the new old way to communicate, connect and convert. And it's using today's technology to do your job, to perform your role, to, to serve people in the way that you know is best, which is eye to eye, face to face. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think what you're suggesting or maybe you're implying is that we're on the dawn of a very, very exciting era. Soon, a lot of people are going to be doing this. But at the moment, when I send out videos, people are think this is super special because suddenly, you know, they're not used to getting this kind of thing. The impact is even more powerful because they say, I, I can't believe that you can do that. And of course, the technology now allows us to do this, to stream video as opposed to sending 150 megabytes of video to somebody or, or whatever else. It's technologically much more possible to do this. Where do you see this going in the next 10 years? Um, that's, that is how, you know, it's funny, you, you write a book and, and my goal was to say like, like, we call this by the way, relationships through video. That's kind of our internal language for this. And so, you know, what our goal in writing this was to take all of our best stories and ideas and lessons and things that we had learned ourselves and taught and learned from our customers and all of this and, and, and document what is relationships through video. There's a different way to use video in your business than you think. Uh, and it's this lighter weight, simple style we've been talking about and you've experienced for yourself. Mm. Who's doing it? When do you actually send video? And when do you continue to send text as is? Why does this actually matter? What's going on here from a technology standpoint and from a human standpoint? And then, you know, what are what are some tips for getting better results? We talk about how to get more emails opened, how to get more videos played, how to get more replies, responses, clicks, or whatever you're looking to get done. And then how do you follow up on these? What happens when you send a video to 10 people? What do you do with the uh, four people who opened it but didn't play the video? Or what happens when you send a video email to one person and they open it and they watch the video, but they never reply or respond? You know, how do you follow up on that? So, so that was a structure. And then how do you close the book? And so what I, what I opted to do is exactly what you just asked me, which is, you know, where is this going? And so Wiley, it was published by Wiley, a pretty prolific nonfiction business book publisher. And, uh, and they described the last chapter as opining on the future of this dynamic movement. And I was like, that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's, it's my opinion and speculation. And so, you know, I, 
at a high level, I think almost anyone working in a professional capacity can benefit from this opportunity. It makes maybe a little bit more sense for some people than others, but there are tens of millions of people living and working every day around the world who could benefit from this. It's going to save them time. It's going to get them better responses. They're going to feel more satisfied in their professional relationships and all these other things that we've been alluding to and even saying explicitly. But I think there are only, I, I made the number up. I did a calculus on it. I don't need to walk out how, but um, you know, we have 50,000 customers. We have a handful of competitors. Um, so I speculated that there were really no more than 250,000 people in the world right now doing this on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. There are certainly many, many more who've signed up for a free product or something like that, but never really done it in earnest. I'm just speculating there. And so I think, you know, you said at the dawn, I think we're, we're, we're trying to normalize this behavior. A lot of people's apprehension around this is like, you know, is this a fad or a gimmick? Mm -hmm. Um, into that, I would, you know, my, my pithy response would be, you know, are you a gimmick? You know, are you, are the relationships with this various stakeholders in your success a gimmick? Of course they are not. And so this is just a different way to do this. So I think, you know, as 5G rolls out, as we continue to get better cameras in all of our devices, as this becomes more normalized behavior, mm -hmm. as more standards are set, as there are more success stories. I mean, that was my, that's been my A number one for the past six or seven years is I need to show other people what their peers are doing with this. And I appreciate you taking on this cause yourself. I know that you're out there sending videos and t telling people and encouraging people. The, the number one thing people want whenever I get engaged with them directly, whether it be at a conference or a trade show or on a webinar or something else, is they want to see what other people are doing. They want to say, okay, this is a real thing. Other people are doing it. What I think is terrible is actually good enough. These people are getting results. Maybe I can too. And so there's, I don't know how long it's going to take. I do a podcast myself and, and a, a gentleman, uh, like a 40 year career sales professional said, you know, in 2015, I said, this is going to be the year of simple videos. Or personal videos or whatever he called it. And then in 2016, he had to say the same thing again. And then in 2017, he had to say the same thing again. And so he said, he just kind of stopped saying it, but it's going to happen. It feels like an inevitability to me that we're going to do more of this because I don't think more automation is the answer. I don't think that holograms and some of these other things are the answer. I think there are things that humans can do with and through and for each other that our technology can enable, it can speed it up, it can make it faster, it can inform us better about the efficacy of our efforts and some of these other things. Mm. But ultimately, an empathic response in a situation, this eye-to-eye, face-to-face piece is really a human play. So, you know, the whole conversation, we've kind of pinned it around video, but really the whole conversation is around uh, human connection. Yeah. and nonverbal communication. That's all the like the rich underpinning of all of it. And so mm -hmm. I really expect that this will become normalized behavior because the same way you immediately got it and you got lit up, I've seen that happen for so many other people, mm -hmm. but I've also seen people stop in their tracks because they're just not comfortable getting started. And so there's this kind of push and pull there of, you know, the human vulnerability is why it's so effective, but it's also why it's so challenging. And so I think more people seeing other people doing it and again, just normalizing the behavior and saying, oh, this is okay. Yeah. I guess I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing I would say to you is for anyone listening and they're wondering, well, I, I'm afraid I might say something silly and send it on, an, on a video. 
Do you ever do that when you're face to face with somebody and you have to break bad news or you have to say something that may be a little bit challenging? It's unlikely that you're going to do it because there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of eye contact, there's a lot of nonverbal happening. I've used the videos to say things that were challenging to, to people. And I found it easier because I didn't find myself saying silly things. Now, obviously, it wasn't, that wasn't the only thing I did. I followed up and I made sure that I, um, that they understood what I was saying, et cetera, et cetera. But it was less likely that I would say something ridiculous than if uh, I sent an email because often in email we send stuff. There's no emotion. You can't read it and you end up causing a problem. The second thing I wanted to say to you in response to, you know, is this going to happen? We have currently got a raging fire in New South Wales here in Australia. It feels like half the country is on fire. The beautiful city of, of Sydney is covered in ash and it's just not a very good thing. Those of us who are worried about climate change are saying to ourselves, we've got to help. We've got to do something about this. One way is to stop jumping on planes, to go to conferences and to meet people on the other side of the country or on the other side of the planet for, for that matter, and use better ways to communicate. This is definitely one of those ways. Yeah, it's face-to-face -face at scale in short. It's face-to-face -face at scale. You can send five videos in 10 minutes, you know, to the point of what, what if I say something, you know, foolish? There, it is true that there is a little bit more permanence to the recorded video uh, than to a, 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 a in-person conversation. That's also, it cuts both ways though. It's also a benefit, right? There's no confusing, right? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you both walk away and even, I mean, that happens all the time in text messages and emails, like misunderstandings and misconstrual and, uh, you know, misreading intentions and all these other things and emoticons don't help. Um, but I've even been in conversations where you leave and you both leave with different impressions of the circumstance. You remember a key part of the exchange differently, right? And it affects the way that you approach things or how you handle the situation. It, there's no mistaking what you say and what you share. And in particular, if you're communicating into a family or into a group or into an organization, that benefit of permanence allows you to carry the message forward with the right tone and the right pace and the right level of empathy and all of these other rich things. It allows them to forward it very easily. So most people see that, they see the negative in it. And they don't see the positive in it. There are a number of positive benefits to this ability that this moment is captured. These 45 seconds are there and they can be replayed by the person or they can be forwarded to other people who have a stake in the situation and you get to control the message and the tone and be your best self. Your be your real self is, is, is the highest order. You know, I've, I've used it uh, to, to, to say to somebody that something was not possible. So, for example, if I'd sent you a, a message asking you to be on my podcast and you couldn't do it, for, and you couldn't do it for a while, if you'd sent me a video looking into the camera very earnestly saying, I'm really sorry, Moise, but this time, this time of year, it's not going to be possible. I really do um, feel that I'm letting you down, but, but that's what it is. I would have received that much better then either being ghosted, not having any response from you at all, which has happened, uh, not with you, but with some other people, or uh, an email saying, tough, you know, it's Christmas, goodbye, uh, we'll, we, we, we can't do this, uh, I'll let, let you know when I'm free. I would have felt a little bit shortchanged by that. 
I, uh, I'll, I'll double down on one of those. Have you ever been in this? I, this has happened to me a number of times and video has, has saved my own conscience as well as the relationship or the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Like where I sit on something for a week, you know, cause I'm just buried or I'm out of the office or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'll get to that. And then all of a sudden it's two weeks. And then you start to feel guilty. Like I have ghosted that person. Mm-hmm. I need to get a reply or response. And then maybe another week goes by. Now all of a sudden you feel just like derelict in it. Like, oh my gosh, I've, I've just absolutely come. And so now you're at the point where you're like, well, maybe if I act like it never happened, they'll forget that they reached out or they forget that I owe them that piece of information or that reply or response. And it's just a terrible loop. And so for someone like me, I start to feel very, very guilty and awkward and weird about it. And so what I've decided to do is just confront it head up and send a video reply to some of those emails that have just been sitting in the bottom of my inbox for too long and say, hey, I am so sorry. It has been six weeks since you reached out to me. This is not my normal MO. Frankly, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I meant to get back to you right away. You know how these things go. Hey, but where we can go from here, right? And so it's, you just eat that a little bit. You And again, there's something about expressing and just letting it go. Yeah. Like I let go of all that weight that I carried. It's just not that big a deal. Yeah. And and then the other person knows that, you know, they can feel that I, I feel a little, they can feel through me that I am a little bit guilty. I am actually sincere in my apology and I am ready to move it forward or apologize that the opportunity was missed completely. But there's something freeing about Again, looking that camera in the lens, looking that person in the eye, in 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 the conjuring of it, and being just honest in the situation. There's something about this honest expression and unloading of, for me, guilt. I live in a lot of guilt. <laughs> Ethan Butte, you have certainly helped me rehumanize my business. Uh, I can't emphasize enough to the people who might be listening. This is a book worth reading. We are really honored to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I I love the effort. I mean, your story, your video to me through LinkedIn is exactly why I undertook this thing in the first place. You never know who it's going to reach. And I'm sincere in my conviction that almost anyone can benefit from this. And I'm just so delighted, um, A, to spend this time with you and B, to know that your story is just the next one and that you're going to light a bunch more of these fires. Sorry, as terrible, actually, given what's going on in Australia, that, that you're going to spark that uh, inspiration in other people. And it's just going to keep going so that we can all be a little bit more personal and human in the way that we're we're running our businesses and leading our lives. I think that that's exactly right. And we are doing exactly as you say. We can't help ourselves because it's been such a transformation for us. But I think there's an, there's an opportunity here to completely uh, disrupt a particular business. And that's, you know, the medical publishing business and, and how you actually get people talking about science and how you engage those clinicians who are, as I say, very creative people, but who are not going to spend hours writing or years writing papers only to have them rejected by journals. We think there's another way to hear, get your voice heard. And you've provided us with exactly the platform that we need. Excellent. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design. Visit us at thejournalofhealthdesign.com.